Um, we are week four, in a, or week, sorry, week three or week four, I'm getting mixed up here, in a six-week series, which means, like I said, we have two weeks left, and we've been walking through the life of Joseph, and each night I've kind of recapped where we've been and where we're going. Um, I don't want to waste, not waste, but I want to be valuable with the time. If you haven't been here and you're kind of trying to catch up, all of the last three sermons or talks that we've done are all online. They're on our app. If you want to check those out, just on the Men's Ministry app, and you can listen to those and kind of catch up um, where we're at with this guy, the life of Joseph. Um, Tonight, we are going to talk about a topic that uh, I think uh, is going to hit home with a lot of us, and the idea of what to do when you have been hurt. Uh, when someone has hurt you, either verbally or uh, with their actions, and we're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, next week, we are going to just spend the entire time uh, talking about the brothers of Joseph. And if you've made big mistakes in your life and you feel like they're one after the other, what do you do if you want to get turned around? Because these guys really just made mistake after mistake. And what do you do if you feel like you're stuck in that? And so that's going to be next week. But tonight, uh, we're talking about what do you do? when you've been hurt. And each night I brought up this verse, uh, Genesis 50-20. This is kind of the theme verse. It's in your handout. It's on the screen. We talk about it every night when we start out. As As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. We've said every, every night this guy, Joseph, wouldn't have picked the path that God had for him. He wouldn't have picked the things that happened to him necessarily, but at the end of his life, he got to a point where he said, man, God meant this for good. People have hurt me, people have wronged me, and because of those things happening to him, he got to the end of his life and he said something that all of us want to be able to say. All of us want to get to the end of our life and say, man, look at what God did. I finished well. I did what God wanted me to do. I responded how God wanted me to do, or how he wanted me to respond. So um, as we talk about this thing, this idea of when you've been hurt, what I don't want tonight to be and what I want it to be, and I've said this a few times because here's the temptation with Joseph. Sometimes you can read this story or listen to this story, and you can kind of join the whole pity party, you know, sulking session with Sally, and you can, you know, get in the corner, and you can get your blanket, and you can kind of say, woe is me, everyone's wronged me, and I, you know, I've always been in the negative, and, you know, nothing good has happened to me. You can, you can really easily jump into that narrative if you're not careful, you know, she's never done this, and you know, my kids never did this, and they never said this to me. That's, that can happen if you're not careful. But rather, what we're going to learn from Joseph and what I want it to be is to where you cannot in life determine the chips that fall your way. You can't. Sometimes things just happen to you, but what? We are responsible for how we respond. We're responsible if we can, like Joseph, maintain character. Man, this guy just kept his head on straight and things that happened to him. So uh, right out of the gate, I want to talk about these two things on a baseline level is those who have hurt us often are hurting themselves. Um, Last week, I couldn't remember who the quote was from, but it was Bob Combs. Hurting people what? Hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. If you have been hurt by someone, um, you, are, you can be willing to bet that that person them, th- themselves is hurting. 
That if someone has done something wrong to you, um, they're not necessarily in the best stage of life or enjoying day to day like maybe you would hope them to be. But they are hurting themselves. Number two, they are close enough for their opinion to matter. They are close enough, man, right? Um, Early on, I think, uh, when I was first starting out in ministry, it was usually about once or twice a week. And it wasn't necessarily a bad thing all the time, but I would get, um, whether it was an anonymous letter, uh, maybe an email if someone would have the boldness, and they would really have some things to say that I needed to learn. And I probably did need to learn. But when someone would say something, I'll be honest, I, I would take the critics and try and turn them into coaches, but I didn't lose any sleep at night. I just kind of, you know, I'd I'd go to bed and I'd sleep fine. But, man, if my wife said something to me, it was close enough to hurt. I'd be, you know, cuddled up in a corner crying in my closet just weeping because, man, you hurt me, babe. Why would you say that about me? Why? Because I care what she thinks about. I'm just kidding. I've never cried in my life. I don't know why you guys look at me like that. But um, what I am talking about tonight, there are serious critics and critics that don't really matter. Or things that are really irrelevant. What I'm not talking about tonight, my feelings were so hurt. Man, still to this day, my brother Daniel, we were, I was seven years old and he was nine and we were out with our friends in the back uh, near uh, our store and where the cows were. And my brother Daniel, I trusted him so much. He said, Mike, I want to I wanna see if you trust me. I said, yeah, man, what's up? What do you want? He said, close your eyes. What do you want? Put out your hand. I put out my hand, and him and Joey Shaw put a pile of cow poop in my hand, and I remember just crying, seven years old, my feelings were so hurt, and that is not the kind of stuff we're talking about tonight. We are not talking about things that maybe you have been hurt where they're not legitimate, they're not really things that bear any weight, but rather things that you have, have happened to you where you would say, Hey, I have some justification for my feelings, maybe, and I know none of you guys are like, I haven't had feelings in 55 years. I don't know what Mike's talking about, uh, but your feelings are hurt. Someone said something, someone did something, and we're going to jump into Genesis uh, 41. If you're new to the Bible, you're, you're going to want to turn there. Genesis is in the front of the book. It starts with a G, and 41 is the big number. That's the chapter, and the little numbers are the verses if you're new to this thing and trying to navigate. It's right in the front. It's going to be really easy to find. Genesis chapter 41. <clears throat> this guy, Joseph, if anyone, anyone in this narrative had the right, had the right to be bitter to be angry, to hold an offense towards someone, it was this guy. It was Joseph. If anyone could have stood up there and said, I don't want to forgive anyone, I don't want to talk to anyone, I, I don't even want to think about it, it was Joseph. But this is, he gives us some principles and some tools that I think we can walk away with and apply to our own lives if, if you've been hurt. So uh, number one, when we've been hurt, you do your best to move on. Genesis 41, verses 50 uh, to 52. says this, Before the year of the famine came, two sons were born to Joseph. Man, I've tried saying these names a ton of times. Wish me luck. Uh, Aneseth, the daughter of Potipharos, priest of On, bore them to him. Joseph called the name of his firstborn sons. Here's, here's what's important tonight. Joseph has two sons, 
And he names them because he is mourning or he is trying to move on from what's happened to him. Here's what he calls the first one, Manasseh. For he said, God has made me forget all, uh, all the hardships and all my father's house. He has his first son and he names him Manasseh. God has made me forget all of my hardship. Here's what it looks like to forget. It doesn't necessarily mean that you don't remember it happened. Because we're about to see Joseph remembers what happens and he remembers the details. But here's what it means to forget. You do not allow it to paralyze you in the present. God, I will not be stifled by what happened to me. God, my parents were so wrong to me. My, my brothers, oh my word, what, look at what they did. But he will not allow it to paralyze him. That's what it looks like to forget. He remembers. Joseph, in Genesis 37, he remembers being in the pit when he was 17. He remembers when they lied about him and threw him in there and faked his death. He remembers when Potiphar's wife lied about him in front of everyone, ruined his reputation. He remembers all of that. But he is not allowing it to paralyze him in the present. When you have been hurt by someone, is it not easy? Man, anyone, anyone can do this. You can just allow it to paralyze you and say, I'm done. You just kind of want to quit. Just kind of want to quit. Talked about last week being faithful. He names his second son in verse 52. The name of the second one is called Ephraim. For God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Here's why he says fruitful. <clears throat> he is assuming and he is banking on, because of Genesis 37, and we've talked about this every night because I think it's, it's, you need reminded more than instructed. I need reminded. He is saying that God still has plans for my life, not that he had them. That God had plans for my life. He's not saying that. He's saying fruitful. God has made me fruitful. Where I am today, I am only where I am. Why? Because God has me there. And when you have been hurt by, and specifically in the story, it is family. And I know, I mean, shoot, you go around the table tonight, you bring up that F word, family. Yeah, well, you got, some of you got nervous. <laughs> family, man, they hurt me. Man, we get, I get, everyone loves me, but who? My family. When you've been hurt by your family, it is very easy for Joseph and I'm not assuming he did the best every day, but it could have been very easy for him to choose the path that some of us sometimes find ourselves in where it just, it just becomes a cloud of depression. Just depressed. Man, all of these cards dealt my way, and here's what the opposite of depression is. It is purpose. It is purpose. Purpose is the opposite of depression. And I'm not saying that Joseph had all good days and he killed it every day, and we don't know that. I mean, maybe when we get to heaven, we can ask him and find out, hey, Joseph, did you have some bad days? I bet he would laugh. I bet he would say, man, if you only knew, there was days where I felt like quitting. We talked about last week, we're just being faithful. But he decides to not allow his past and the things that have happened to him, and he hasn't even made bad decisions 
We'll talk about that next week, but things that have been done to him unjustly, and he just says, you know what, I will not allow it to paralyze me. The second thing is, I want to point out, Joseph appeared to have thick skin. Um, Thick skin is not not caring what people say or think. Um, Sometimes that can be misinterpreted, where and it can come off very arrogant, you know, I don't care what anybody says, you know, say what you want, you know, whatever. Joseph, I don't think, was like that. This is why I think, conjecture, it appeared that he had thick skin. Again, he would not allow it to paralyze him. I bet he thought about it often. I bet he prayed about it often. But he would not allow it to stifle him in what God had asked him to do where he was. No matter your age, no matter your stage, God still has plans for your life. He still has plans for your life. So what do you do when you've been hurt and you've been wronged? You do your best to move on. Yep, some days are terrible. Some days are good. Some days when you run across that one individual, you're reminded of those things. But you just say, God, would you make me forget? Would you allow me to be, uh, be faithful and fruitful where you have me to be? Number two, sometimes we can't help ourselves. Uh, Chapter 42, verse 6. And this is where I want to talk about Joseph. He was a great guy, uh, but he's just like us. Now Joseph was governor in the land, verse 6. And he was the one who, who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and borrowed themselves or bowed themselves before him and with their faces to the ground. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Do you guys remember chapter 37, verse 7? He had a dream. What was his dream? Hey, guys, I woke up. Morning. I had a dream all you guys going to bow down to me. Yeah, I don't know. It was a dream in the stocks. And, you know, we were out there, and, his, and they're, like, you know, they, they're mad at him. The dad, you know, you know, tells him. And we talked about how some things are better unsaid. But he is just now, it's kind of like, hey, he's got some hurts. And sometimes he can't help himself. So here's what it says. He spoke roughly to them. And this is what he says. Where do you come from? He said, and they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. This is great. Don't you wish you had an opportunity like that? So you guys like, oh, if I, you only knew what I would do. If I ran into her or him and she didn't know or he didn't know who I was and I had some authority, man. I'd do some crazy stuff, and he does. This is what he says. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Verse 9, and Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them, and he said to them. So he, re- he remembers, and he says, you are spies, for you have come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said to him, no, my Lord, your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of the one man. We are honest men. Your servants have never been spies. And he said to them, no, it is the nakedness of the land that you have come to see. And they said, we, your servants, oh, everything is just coming to fruition, are 12 brothers and the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, here's where they get messed up again. Behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is no more. But Joseph said to them, is it... Is it as I said to you, you are spies? By this, you shall be tested. Sometimes, if you've been wronged, you just can't help yourself. 
Sometimes you got to say some things, and yeah, it's definitely not turning. He ain't turning the other cheek. He probably didn't feel like Jesus when he woke up that day. He probably, you know, you guys are like, Jesus, Mike, this is Genesis. I know the Messiah. He's coming. But he's, he probably didn't really feel too spiritual this morning. When he saw them, he kind of thought, now's my chance. And this is what he says. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Oh, you guys said you have a younger brother. I would like to meet him. Someone go get him. Send one of you and let him bring your brother while you remain confined. <laughs> he puts him in jail. That your words may be tested whether there is truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. And he put them all together in custody for three days. Um, three days probably felt like a long time for them. Oh my word, they are scared to death. But sometimes when you've been hurt, Tell me I'm not alone, that you just can't help yourself sometimes. I mean, and I asked permission to share this story because my wife's not here. She can't. Sometimes, you know, that always gets weird, you know, in, in trouble. Uh, but anyway, I asked her for permission. And we were just getting ready to get married. And just like all marriages bring the unity and the bond of peace between all families and fellowship, uh, my wedding was doing the same thing. And uh, I had a conversation with my soon-to-be mother-in-law, never forget it, on the phone. She was in Florida, I was in Ohio, and on the phone with her. And we were exchanging uh, very churchy spiritual words about some financial uh, happenings on the wedding and you know processes and things like that. And I remember in that moment, I've, there was something that was said to me that I felt like it was wrong. And I, and I don't know about you, but when I get hurt, what do I do? I try to hurt. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the what? The tongue. And I, and I took some shots. And I said some things that I probably wouldn't really appreciate if they were recorded or put up on a screen or one of you guys heard me. And I said some things I should have not said. I, I got hurt and I couldn't help myself. I just lashed out. Were they true? I thought they were. I thought they were. Was what she said about me true? Probably. Probably. You guys are like, ah, probably more than probably, Mike. Uh, and so here's what happened. After we exchanged that, you know, altercation, and like I said, just like weddings, bring everyone together and, you know, all that kind of stuff, there was some time that took place for healing between that relationship. And now, and I will be honest to God, now, three, four years later, it has been restored, and it's like it has never happened. There has been confession, there's been apologies, we have moved forward. There was a time between my mother-in-law and I, and some of you are like, man, pray for me, because it's been 30 years, and we still at each other's throats. <laughs> um, and she lives in Florida, so I see her three times a year, so yeah, that's why it's a little bit easier. But anyway... Um, she was here, and, and there is restoration there, but honestly, sometimes, sometimes you just can't help yourself. Sometimes you don't do what Jesus did where you turn the cheek. Sometimes you don't, and Joseph, Joseph, just like you and I, he spoke roughly to them. He's hurt, and rightfully so, rightfully so. He says some things that he probably shouldn't say, but it feels justifiable, it feels justifiable to him, just like you and I do sometimes. Sometimes you just say some things you shouldn't say when you're, when you're hurting. 
And then we learn a lesson from Joseph that I believe is probably top five tier of the lessons that we can learn from him. He embraces the grieving process. He embraces the grieving process. That is the third point in your handout. In the PowerPoint, I know there's a misspelling, but in your, hand, or in your handout, there's a misspelling. On the PowerPoint, there's not. But embraces the grieving process in 42, 23 to 24. Here's what Joseph, here's what happens. Joseph sees them. He interacts with them. He says some things he shouldn't say. Rightfully so. They have a conversation with each other. Joseph overhears them. So I want you to look in your Bible in Genesis 42, verse 23. They did not know that Joseph understood them, for there was an interpreter between them. I didn't read the, the beforehand one, because here, I, just because there's a lot of storytelling in here. They're talking with each other, and they say, oh, no. Oh, no. Reuben, in verse 22, he says, and I'll talk about this more next week. Reuben goes, Hey guys, I told you this stuff would come back to haunt us. Remember Reuben who kept him, got him out of the pit, didn't want to kill him? He's saying, the older brother, guys, I told you. I told you we shouldn't have done this. You ever been caught and you know why you're caught? That's next. I'm jumping ahead. Sorry. Verse 23. There was an interpreter between them. Verse 24. Then he turned away from them and he what? He wept. And he returned to them and spoke to them, and he took Simon from them and bound him before their eyes. I want you to take your Bible, I want you to turn to chapter 43. Turn one page over for you. I want to go to 43, verse 30. Joseph sees them the first time, and he cannot help himself but cry. He can't help himself but feel this great sorrow and this grieving to where he needs to know what he's supposed to do and how to respond, but he doesn't really know how to process these emotions. Look in verse 30, chapter 43, verse 30. Then Joseph hurried out, for his compassion grew warm toward his brothers, and he sought a place to weep. And he entered the chamber, and he wept there. I want to talk about this idea of embrace the grieving when you've been hurt. Joseph has this interaction with them, and he sends the brothers back to get the youngest. He puts some food in their sack. He puts some money in there to kind of make them realize that maybe they stole something to just play with them. I mean, he's just toying with his brothers at this point, you know, to make sure they get here and they got to come back. But every time he sees them, he starts to cry. He starts to cry, and it says, I don't know how, but... He feels compassion for them, and his heart was warmed. Have you ever been hurt by someone, and you were not sad that it happened, you were sad it was them? You weren't sad that it took place, you were sad who is the one who did it. Maybe it was your spouse. I'm not mad that someone said that about me, it's true. I'm hurt that it was you. Maybe it was a boss. Like I said when we started, when we are hurt, it is typically those whom their opinion matters the most. Their opinion matters so much to us that it causes some hurt. And Joseph, he knows how to embrace the grieving that he is feeling about this, and he weeps. He weeps. And I believe 
this principle that I want to talk about is if you don't grieve, it typically will come out in unhealthy ways. Um, like I said, when I started, I, I cried that one time. My brother put poop in my hand, and I cry sometimes if my wife is mean to me. Um, honestly, I, I will be very honest. I think I've cried three times in my entire life. Um, and some of you are shaking your head. You're like, amen. You're like, yeah, me too. I, you know, I haven't cried. Some of you are criers. I'm not here promoting that we have a crying session. It's not what I'm promoting. Every, you know, everyone, you know, pass the t- tissues. What I am saying is this. <clears throat> if you don't embrace grieving... If you don't embrace hurt, it will come out in ways that you do not want it to come out. What will happen? I don't know about for all of you, but I know for me, I will get very cold. What's wrong? Just tired. You sure? Yeah, I'm just tired. A lot going on? Yeah, a lot going on. Anything happen? Nah. Or what will happen? I'll snap. Someone will say something, and I've kept it down so long, and I will hurt the people I love the most. If I don't process it, if I don't talk it out, and I'm, like I said, I don't know how you would grieve, but whatever it is, you have to do that. You have to do that, whatever it takes for you. Whatever it takes, someone who's hurt you, if you don't, how awful is it when you go to a funeral? Ugh. And you didn't clear things up. You didn't clear things up. And you have that weight on you. You didn't have that conversation you needed to have. Or maybe you haven't talked to someone in years and years. And the way that you respond to grieving, and again, if you're like me, you just get super busy. You just forgot about it. I just got so busy, I couldn't even, I didn't even think about it. It's not even a big deal. You just blow it off. There has to be somebody in your life that you can grieve with. Has to be someone you can call, someone you can talk through, because when you go, and we're gonna see here is in a second, when you go and talk to the person that has hurt you, you want to be, you don't, you don't want all that emotion to come barreling out right away. You want to be in somewhat of a healthy state. I have processed through this. And I know as men, this is just what we stink at. Oh my gosh. No emotions. I laugh, I make people laugh. That's what I do. I make people laugh. I, make, I try and make people cry. I just be mean, make them cry. I don't cry. I don't want to process anything. I've never been hurt. You know, how do you process that? But if you don't, it will come out in unhealthy ways. And guess what? Unhealthy times. It'll be at her birthday party, the last time you wanted to yell at her. It'll be at a meeting, the last time you wanted to explode. It'll be in front of them at Christmas. Man, why did it have to be? Why does dad always have to yell at Christmas? It'll be at that one time when you don't want it to. You just have to think through, who can I grieve with? How do I grieve? And when am I going to do that? When am I going to do that? If you've been hurt, you have to embrace it. It's a part of life. And God is not disappointed in you if you have to grieve. He is not He is not frustrated with that. He's not annoyed with that. He is not weakened by that. And he doesn't think that you are weak because of that. Embrace it. And lastly, and this is the hardest one and has some different nuances, but it is always our turn. It is always our turn. Verse 16 says this. 
Joseph saw Benjamin. When he sees Benjamin, it's different than the rest of the boys. Benjamin is his only whole blood brother. The rest of them are stepbrothers. So when he sees Benjamin, that's his boy. That he has a different connection with Benjamin. He said to the stewards of the house, bring the men into the house and slaughter an animal and make ready for the men, for the men are to dine with me at noon. The men did as Joseph told them and brought the men to Joseph's house. And the men were afraid because they were brought into the house. Go over to verse 31. These guys are going into this house and they, ha- they, don't, they still don't know who Joseph is. They are scared to death. But notice this thing about Joseph. I wish I could be like this. He cannot help himself throw a party for these guys. It's his brother's. It's his family. He loves them. He is hurt by them, but he loves them no matter what they've done to him. Verse 31. He washes his face and he comes out and controlled himself. Serve the food. He throws them a party. He gets them a meal. He bought them the meal. He took them to lunch and guess what? He paid for it. I'll take the check. They served them, served him by himself and them by themselves. And the Egyptians who ate ate with him by themselves because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. Verse 33. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to the birthright and the youngest according to the youth. And the men looked at one another in amazement. They cannot believe what this guy is doing. Portions were taken to them from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any as theirs. And they drank and they were merry with him. It was always his turn. He decided, I'm going to forgive them, and I want restoration. Forgiveness and restoration are two different things. Two different things. Forgiveness, forgiveness is always 100% our responsibility. Question, did Joseph have to forgive them? Think about that. Has his brothers apologized to him? Have they confessed their wrong to him and the ways in which they were wrong to him? They have not yet. It says in Proverbs 20, uh, 21, or 25, 21, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. Why? For you will heap burning coals on his head. The Lord will reward you. I don't think Joseph had a responsibility to forgive them yet. But I think Joseph knew that if you don't forget what is quickly after bitterness. It's in Ephesians 4. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. Why? Because bitterness will be shortly after. Joseph knew his only responsibility was to forgive them, but he wanted to take the next step. He wanted restoration. Restoration takes how many parties? Two. And he knows that he cannot He cannot force restoration, but I think he has the upper hand where he would say, if I extend this, I have food that they need because there's a famine. I've thrown them a party. I am extending everything without them even asking because why? Joseph says, it is always my turn. It is always my turn. It's in Romans 12, 17. It says this, uh, that repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible. If possible, for so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And that if possible is a big if. It's a big if. 
As God has been to us, so we must be to others. So we must be. Don't repay evil for evil if someone's wronged you. And I understand that there are legitimate hurts in this room. There has been legitimate things wronged, said about you, done to you, destroyed your reputation. People badmouth you. They've said X, Y, and Z towards you. And you would say, I have tried to extend forgiveness and restoration, and it is not reciprocal. That is beyond your control. That is beyond your control. If God extends forgiveness to anyone who receives it, but only those who accept him get the forgiveness, that means it is a two-way street. And it's the same with some of you if you've been hurt. As God has been to us, so we must be to others. Joseph felt this compassion towards them. He saw them. He throws them a party. He feeds them a meal. He does all these things. Why? Because it's always my turn. And it's never my turn when my heart is hard. It's never my turn when I'm thinking of the things they said about me. It's never my, it's never my turn when I remember all those things. But it is always my turn when what? Manessa. God has made me forget all the hardship. Ephraim, he has made me fruitful. When I realize those two things, no matter what, that identity, that past, hey, you know what, it is my turn. It's my turn. I had to have a conversation with my mother-in-law shortly after that. Hey, what I said to you was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? She could have said no, but she didn't. She said, I forgive you. I said, I should have never said those things about you nor your family. That was, that was completely wrong and I was out of line. How many times have you had to do that in your life? Oh my word, I wish it was done. I'm just getting started, right? So at your tables, what I want you to do is talk about this idea of when you've been hurt, what do you need to do or attempt to move on? What does it look like for you to grieve? And is there someone who has hurt you and it is your turn to reach out to them? So kind of a heavy night, some heavy topics, but I ask that you would stay pointed at your tables and work through these. So I'm going to give you guys some time. Take 15 minutes or so. All right, hopefully um, you guys can wrap up some of the discussion you've had at your tables. And hopefully it has been helpful for some of you tonight to think through <clears throat> how you grieve and what that looks like. And then maybe for some of us, and this series has been twofold, um, I was just talking with Andy, this series really could have been 10, 10 or 11 weeks, a whole you know, session, but breaking it up, we've got to be real specific in what we're going to cover and tackle. But for some of us, it's been, hey, you're going through this, and then for the, the other half, it's, hey, how can I help someone I know going through this? You know, I know someone who, who feels this way or going through stuff like this, but uh, one of the things that I didn't say and I wanted to say before we, we broke off into our groups was, um, when it comes to understanding your responsibility when you have been hurt, I think more often than not, you or I will take on more responsibility within that than God asks you to take on. You take on way too much. You try to think that you are responsible for how someone responds or reacts, and that is not our responsibility. As Joseph had known in his heart that it was his turn, he still knew in his heart it, he's not responsible for how the brothers would respond. And I'm not responsible for how someone will respond. My responsibility is for Mike. How, what am I going to do? 
and I cannot control. I talked with an individual yesterday, had a family situation going on, same kind of thing, and we were talking through it, and for her to understand how your brother responds is out of your control. And God does not ask you to woo them to convince or change their heart that that's God's responsibility. One of the things that I love about um, this story of Joseph, and I just want to make this connection and then I'll get you guys out of here. Um, God has been to us how we would never be to someone. God has been to us how we would never be to someone. And thinking about that, and even thinking about the brothers and how they've wronged Joseph, how much more, how much more have you and I wronged God? How much have we belittled his name or blasphemed his name or done things wrong against God or things that we've thought? How much more have we unjustly come to God and say, would you forgive me? And how does God respond to us in that moment? He extends it. I think of the story we'll cover in two weeks, and I am already beyond excited for that, but I will cover the story when Jesus tells about two brothers And the one brother comes and says, Father, give me my inheritance. And he runs, oh yeah, you guys, mmm, yeah. And he runs, and that's like a lot of you. He spends it all, he has sex with a bunch of women, drinks a bunch of alcohol and debauchery, does it all, and it pops in his mind. It says in in the Bible, it says he comes to himself. What am I doing? What am I, I got a dad back home who wants me home. And as he comes over the hill, he, he, he anticipates his confession. Here's what I'm going to say. You ever practiced your confession before? Yeah, some of you guys like on the way home, wife, I'm so sorry. I said this and I'll practice it. You rehearse it to your buddies at work. I'll say this and she'll say this and then I say that. You've done it. I've done it. Yeah. And then I'm going to say this when she says that and I'm not going to talk. And then it always goes south. But anyway, um, you, <laughs> you practice your confession The young man comes over the hill, and as he comes over the hill, you know the story, and just like in this scenario with Joseph, throws a party. And here's the thing about our God. If he knows you're going to confess, it does not even need to hit your throat before he forgives you. If it is in your heart, it says in Psalms 139, before it is on your tongue, guess what? He knows. When you go to apologize and confess to God, you can't even get it out before God says, come here. He just gives you a hug. Some of us tonight, you need to restore a relationship with friends or family. We need to make a phone call. We need to make that effort. We need God help us, give us wisdom, what to say. Some of us need a restored relationship with God. You've never made that effort. You've never made that confession. And God anticipates and wants that confession. If you've never made that decision to follow Christ, it is that you would confess that you are a sinner and that you would believe in Jesus. And that is all that God wants from you. God has been to you or me how we would never be to anyone. And he, no matter what you've done towards him, he welcomes and accept it, accepts it because you cannot out the gospel. You can't outdo it. You can't out it. There's more grace than you can ever imagine. Let me pray for us. God, I ask that you would help those in this room that need to make a decision for Christ. They've never done it. <clears throat> if they were to die tonight, they are unsure where they are with you.
If they were to face God, they don't know where they stand. I pray that they would make the decision to follow Jesus. God, that you would give them wisdom, that you would open their eyes, and that, God, that guilt maybe they're feeling and things they've done wrong towards you, that you would help them to understand that the gospel is a free gift. God, I pray for those in this room tonight who have legitimate hurts. They've been wronged. Would you give them wisdom like Joseph? And moving on, what that looks like, give us wisdom in grieving, what that looks like for us. And God, would you help us as well, the rest of us, to come alongside and to be encouragers? Would we come alongside and help those who need help and lift them up? God, would you help us to be men who are like Joseph? Would our integrity stay the same? Would we be honest? And would you help us to be godly? We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.